Welcome to the queue. My name is Nurse Bug. I'm your friendly neighborhood nurse surveyor. And hi, I'm Tina Webster. I'm so glad you joined us. This week in changing demographics in nursing homes, we brought in somewhat of an expert in the areas of different demographics in nursing homes. And I'd like her to give a little bit of info about herself. Adriel, go ahead. So my name is Adriel. I am a registered nurse. Um, right now I'm a correctional supervisor and I've been in several different facilities. So I do deal with a vast population. I have done nursing home inspections, surveying, and back to corrections, honestly. I have a huge passion for this population and the nursing homes, uh, which is kind of why Lindsay and I got into it together. Eventually, I'll probably go back to that just because I miss it. So right now, corrections is my home. And you were a DON for a year in a facility in New Mexico, right? I was. I was a DON as well, yes. She's very well-rounded on different demographics and nursing home population. She had a lot of fun residents that we got to talk about and discuss and find fun interventions for them, you know, individualized care. I have a few articles to talk about. First one was completed in 2001, but it's dated from 1985 to 1997, and it was called The Changing Profile of Nursing Home Residents. And the one thing that I pulled from it was that some patients admitted to nursing homes are not acutely ill, but maybe too disabled to care for themselves. So they might be younger. They could be, you know, and it didn't matter the population. They could be younger than the normal nursing home population. The second one was talking about how demographics affect healthcare and nursing practice. And it talks about how diversity and multiculturalism affects the nature of illness and disease, as well as the morbidity and mortality rate within that demographic, which I thought was super interesting. But nursing practice, education, and perspectives must be adapted to respond to these changing demographics to be competent and aware. Ignoring diversity may lead to unequal nursing care and negative patient outcomes. Healthcare delivery relies on the ability of nurses to refine practice, expand core knowledge, to address those population changes and demographics. Tina or Adriel, you want to respond? Well, just going back to your first point, I, I think that it's important to remember that not very long ago, residents were in nursing homes and even in hospitals were admitted because they didn't want to be alone. They could go to their doctor and say, I don't want to spend the holidays by myself. The doctor would admit them to the hospital. Assisted livings and things like that where people could potentially go because they don't want to be alone or they need a little bit of help and not a lot of help. Those were actually created for these older relatives that could still have a lifestyle but wanted to be they could be independent but wanted to be with people and the times have changed and this type of you know admit is no longer acceptable especially for insurance reasons they choose to live in an assisted living for the social interaction and that they may not have gotten at home you know when these elderly women lose their husbands or the males lose their wives they don't thrive in this environment where they've been married for 50 years and they need that interaction and they need people and sometimes family just isn't the option for them as far as that goes. So it's it's respecting that and understanding that they continue to look for the interaction, to look for the, the better understanding and, and the living that they may not have gotten with their families. Yeah. And this goes for the younger population too. On that point, nursing home residents are becoming younger than age 65 
more and more. The existing policies that we have are tailored to the older adults, 65 and older. So they fail to acknowledge differences between those two demographics. But these younger ones come with disabilities or acute or chronic illnesses, and they tend to have different needs. The absence of any recent data for younger people in nursing homes makes it difficult for, you know, not only policymakers, but the staff in nursing homes to determine and plan for the achievement of population-specific goals. I found an interesting piece of info on MDSs that they were created by Congress in 1987 in response to growing concern regarding nursing home safety and resident quality of care and contain nearly 400 elements covering demographics, clinical characteristics, and medical care use. I mean, I knew it was big, but I didn't know there was that many. Tina, are you REC certified? Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. I can't believe there's that many pieces and parts to it, especially with demographics. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, the MDS has evolved over the years. You know, what started out as a fairly small assessment has turned into 40 plus pages of assessments now. And it does, it covers every area. And they had to keep revising that MDS to include things that address different cultures and different diagnoses that maybe weren't pertinent back in the beginning. And really just to paint a really good picture of a resident when they're staying in a facility. And that is the reimbursement. It was extremely important to capture all of that from each of those residents, depending on they had different needs. They had different requirements that uh, needed to be documented for reimbursement purposes. Yeah. And when we talk about population health management, you know, designing services to meet the needs of the population. And when we're talking about that under age 65, they're more demanding They're impatient with nursing home activities designed for older residents. They have different preferences and needs. They want that personal phone, access to media, increased privacy in their room. They want to be outside. They want to hang out with their friends. Sometimes they defy the smoke-free policies. They want less healthy meals. And, you know, nursing homes can try a few different things like ethnically themed parties, including the foods of diverse communities, outside excursions, the movies, Walmart cart. I mean, there's so many things that you can implement for that younger generation to make sure that they're included. And, you know, I've I've seen that in facilities just this past year, facilities that were doing activity where they would bring in Jamaican food. Residents extremely enjoyed that as well as the staff, you know, anyone that had that type of culture, that background, it made them feel very comfortable and they seemed to really enjoy it. Yeah. Adriel, you got anything? As far as like the ethnic groups, one of the things that we always did is we went to resident council and we would try to find a a meal or something. Um, I was really big on getting my activity director involved and knowing every single holiday across every religion, race. It didn't matter. We we wanted to know every holiday and we would try to, to honor that. You know, in New Mexico, there's a huge native population. And so we really would like try to focus on every single background, you know, they're Hispanics, just everybody kind of meshed together. And so to go to the resident council and say, hey, these are the holidays for this month. What meals do you guys think that we could serve? Let's take a vote. And we would vote on one meal for sure and sometimes two so that we could have something specialized to that 
that population and that ethnic group so that they would feel like they were important and included and always went over well. The younger population, they're still really savvy. And so they have time to sit and think about things. They have time to sit and think about the things that you're not doing. So you always want to be thinking a step ahead and trying to offer it ahead of time so that you're not catching them on the flip side. It's about being proactive instead of reactive to whatever the situation may be and thinking ahead and, and making your staff know your patients, taking the time to talk to them and sit and enjoy a cup of coffee with one of them or anything like that. That helps you get into the lives of these people who they're not always open, especially the younger population. They're kind of harder to get to know. They don't want to share their life stories like the elderly population. And so just doing the small things like knowing he doesn't like ketchup so you don't put ketchup on his tray and reminding him like there's no ketchup on your tray so if you want something else let me know things like that it really goes a long way in getting them to trust you and to open up and to be that with that person that content point for them yeah if you want to identify barriers and biases i mean and take targeted action to make them feel like they have a role especially in the nursing home when you're young and you're young you have a complex identity anyways but then you're kind of in this place where you don't get to do all the normal things that younger people do. And it can be kind of lonely for them, too. And depressing, very depressing as well. Yeah. yeah. Educating staff to know how to help those resonance with like loneliness, isolation, you know, d- feeling deprived of that satisfying life. You want to allow for self-expression, venting frustrations, talking about not fitting in with the older residents. Me, personally, I would thrive in a nursing home. I love hanging out with the elders. Love it. Not everybody likes to be an extrovert like that, and I get it. I get it. I'm with you, Lindsay. I would love to be with people that were that had a history, that could share that history. I like to hear their story. I do, too. I do, too. We talk about the younger residents, the disabled residents, but there are also younger residents that come in that have substance abuse disorders or a history of substance abuse disorder. And I know that, Adriel, a few of your residents from your nursing home, you did have to deal with that for a certain few. You want to talk about that? Um, So that becomes difficult to do because they're literally ripped from their original lifestyle and placed in what they would feel like as a jail. So you really have to find different ways to approach it. New Mexico passed a law legalizing marijuana, and I had several residents who one of them was, I mean, literally just a hippie. He lived off the land. His house was built from the earth and things like that, and he was adamant that he was going to smoke weed all day, every day. Before it was legal, we really struggled with, like, not allowing his friends to come pick him up and take him for joyrides. And then bringing him back where he couldn't even like stay awake or feed himself. So we kind of tried to like change it to supervisors. He really didn't have any family. We tried to establish guardianship for him and and tried to get somebody else to kind of step in to offer that so that he wasn't in harm's way. And then New Mexico legalized marijuana. So our provider actually tried to accommodate where he could smoke like a half a joint in the morning and maybe one at lunch and and those kinds of things to like try to reintegrate his past personal life and it was actually an order on the mar and we treated it as a controlled substance it was locked in the narcotic box 
so that we were not hindering the lifestyle that he came from and loved and, and wanted to be a part of. He, at any moment, he would try to get out the front door because he was going to wheel himself back the like 150 miles down the highway back to his home. We really tried to like create the old lifestyle for him within reason. I had a couple of meth addicts that came in. That was a struggle. That was a real struggle to try to go through their belongings and make sure you catch everything. And that was not always the easiest thing or that family wasn't bringing it in or even alcohol. We had alcohol in the building as well. The providers can write orders that they can have like an ounce of Jack Daniels or something like that. Trying to catch these shots in the drawers wasn't always easy. It was often kind of crazy. And you know, you don't, you're intruding on them if you go into their room and you go through their drawers and you do these things. So the way that I went around that is I established one CNA in the building. I had four hallways. She would do a hallway a week so that once a month, all of the residents would have their drawers straightened up, no trash in the drawers, no candy wrappers and things like that. We would help them by keeping their room clean and basically keeping the bugs away by going through their drawers. And if she found any extracurriculars, then we would tell them like, hey, you can't have that in here. It's not safe for the other residents. I'd be happy to give it back to your family or, you know, we can lock it up. And if you, you know, want a, a shot, then we can see if the doctor will write an order for it and you can have a shot or whatever, but we can't just have it in your room. And that's kind of how I went around it was doing it through housekeeping. With 50 years of experience and experts across all areas of nursing home care, QSource genuinely understands the needs of your facility. We've always been there alongside you and we've walked in your shoes. No matter the situation, QSource is prepared to tackle your challenges, solve your issues, and answer your questions. Let QSource encourage, educate, and empower you. Contact us at any time at QSource.org. We will always be here to help. And now back to the podcast. What I've encountered over the, the years is the younger people that are coming in, the ones that have addictions, the ones that, that have alcohol or substance abuse, they are very difficult residents or patients to manage. And, you know, there's that fine line between resident rights and not allowing illegal substances in your facility. It is a very hard thing to do. The facilities struggle with that. I think there's probably at least one of those type of residents in the facilities. Every facility has one, at least, and they're constantly trying to balance that, respecting their privacy and keeping them safe as well as keeping the other residents safe as, as well. Yeah, there's no judgment here because, honestly, everybody... <laughs> Everybody has a past. Everybody had a career. And I saw a picture or a meme one time and it showed an elderly lady looking in the mirror and she saw her younger self and she happened to be a nurse. And I thought it was really fun that they showed it like that. There was other pictures, you know, like a combat veteran and and all those other things. But I thought it was a really good representation of you're not just this elder or you're not just this young person in the nursing home. You're a whole person. That's right. They deserve it. They um, deserve to be respected. Yeah. More training, education for behavioral health and those younger generations. That's how we can do better, I think. 
And that's where QSource does come in. The growing elderly population and the younger that are coming into nursing homes that we talked about in part one and part two, you know, including the LGBTQ, the younger residents, disabled, different cultures, races, religions, they want more appropriate activities, visits with family, outings to different places. And we can help with resident-centered care plans and interventions, providing education to staff, utilizing those demographics in your facility to form a QAPI project, review your vision and values to promote inclusion that aligns with the rules and regulations, you know, of CMS and your policies and procedures. We just want to help tailor to the demographics of today. And of course, that's going to end in QSource being able to provide analytics to show improvement, regression, areas of focus, to keep promoting that continuous QI. We want to help. Call us. We'll do all the things. I love that we're wrapping up this part three with kind of just an overall idea of the nursing home is not just this place for the elderly. It's now changed to elderly, minorities, younger. There's not just one definition of it. So I think it's important to stay ahead of all of that. And education and training is, is where it's at, at least for that, at least in my mind. Yeah, absolutely. Education is so important for facilities to manage their residents to have a happy place to work and a happy place for the residents to live. Yeah. Yeah. Adriel, do you want to add anything? The only thing I want to add is the mental health aspect. Training on, on mental health is such a huge deal in the nursing homes. Mental health falls into behavioral health and you have to really like, you have to have a strong person that can see these things, seek them out and train on them. I'm not sure about every community, but I know in most communities, law enforcement has de-escalating classes. If you send somebody to a de-escalating class and teach them different techniques to use that they can bring back to the building, it's a huge thing. De-escalization doesn't, it, it happens everywhere. Like it's not just in, in a nursing home or on the streets or anywhere. It happens anywhere in, in the world. It could happen at Walmart. And having those extra skills or that extra help, it, it can be a huge, huge thing and to be able to talk a, a resident down who's super angry or knowing when to walk away and things like that. So I just encourage people to try to seek out other ways to learn how to address people with behavioral health or or with even mental health situations, because in the end, you ultimately may save a life. Yeah. And this speaks back to when I first met Adriel in 2015, 2016, we did work in corrections together. And we got to do sick calls with good inmates or we we didn't really call them inmates, more residents, but we got to do sick calls and, you know, taking care of them. And it was always light and fun. That's my example of it doesn't matter who you're caring for. As a nurse, you care for everyone equally and you rise to that level and you just do what you have to do. And it was always a pleasant interaction with them. I mean, we had moments, you know, where there were behavioral health issues, you know, or whatever, but she talks about these de-escalization classes. Nurses, especially in corrections and nursing homes, they kind of have that same parallel of you have to have those sort of trainings. When a surveyor walks in and they say, how have you taken care of this resident? And, and you say, well, you know, he went off and he hit this resident over here and he hit this staff member and they didn't know what to do. That's an issue. If you had a CNA, who looked at the situation and said, hey, Mr. Beverly, can you come over here and help me 
fold these clothes or whatever it might be, you know, whatever deescalization techniques that you have learned, things go a lot smoother. And I love that I can connect to those two things because you would never think that corrections nursing would translate into elder care later in life. But it does teach you many, many different situational interventions, which I think helped us both. Thank you, Adriel, for for joining us today. I have really enjoyed it, and I'm, I hope you guys did too. She's she's a lot of fun. We might have her back sometime. I don't know. We'll see. Thank you guys for having me. Thank you, Adriel. It's nice to it's nice to hear from you. So next week we're going to be talking about technology to keep the elderly residents independent in nursing homes, such as Alexa functions to turn off lights, raise wheelchairs, assist with cooking, reminders to take medication. Join us next week because we have a lot of fun points to talk about with that. I found a lot of fun articles on AI and the technology that can keep them in communication with their families, even if they're in a nursing home. Join us next week. And thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this QSource podcast. If you ever find yourself needing QSource to assist your facility, please reach out to us at QSource.org so our long-term care experts can help you through the process. If you want to hear more podcasts like this, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to your favorite audio. Just search for QSource and you will find us. Thank you and have an amazing day.